Welcome to Studio 222 in the ABC in Ultimo for another COVID-safe session of Thank God It's Friday. We don't have an audience quite yet, but we do have the band back together, reunited in the studio all over the shadow of the Wheel of Death. So please welcome this week's panel, Tommy Dean, Rebecca De Unamuno and Tahir! And we have Tahir has brought a laugh track with him, which is excellent. He's also brought some cricket cricket sound effects, should we need them. Yeah, exactly. So th- these are the – if you – I'll try to time it correctly, but uh, this one right here. That sounds about our audience, isn't it? Like oh, the, I reckon, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's about – yeah, usual. <laughs> six. Yeah, I got one. I got Try it. You ready? Ready? Yep. Ready? So I invented a cocktail in quarantine. Uh, what I do is I take a little bit of uh, apple, hard apple cider, and mix it with some gin. I call it genocide. <laughs> Bit of a delayed reaction there. You, you've got to get the timing right. Well, no, mostly Ty here was thinking about, I can't figure out if I should press laugh yeah. or cricket. Oh, the cricket. No, I was trying to work out the punchline. Like, hang on, it's coming up now. I like how you... I think the crickets might have been better. Now, talking about all of that stuff, new fines of $11,000 and six months in jail were announced this week for any hotspot Victorians caught across the border in New South Wales. Police have been told to enforce the laws. But how do you think they should go about identifying the Victorians who may be lurking in our midst here? Well, Victorians are pretty easy to spot. Firstly, if you hear anyone talking about the state of Victoria, that's a very good sign right there, right? (laughs) If anyone starts banging on about how much better Melbourne is from Sydney, that's an obvious clue. That's a complete Victorian is amongst us. I say our laws don't go far enough. I don't care how long you've lived in, in New South Wales. But if you were born in Victoria, go back to where you came from. <laughs> Kick them back. We build a wall in Wodonga, Albury, maybe make Geelong pay for it, right? Um, <laughs> I'm sorry about the delay there. Um, Victorians carry many obvious clues. First of all, we should uh, strip search them, right? Uh-huh. Strip search. If there is any sign, of, even a hint of any type of, 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 of a tan, right? That's not a bit, yeah, like, that's, yeah, it's clearly yeah. like. It's yeah. clearly a Queenslander. Queenslander. Yeah. <laughs> if they're carrying umbrellas and general other wet weather gear, that's a Victorian. Yeah. Um, if they sing an AFL tune randomly, because, mm. um, you know, they love their AFL tunes, you know that, Tommy. But they, sing, they rarely they'll... sing it randomly, though. It's very specific. Very specific, yeah. <laughs> And, of course, most obviously, I know probably Rebecca and Tommy will bring this up, but just in case if they don't, if they do a hook turn for no apparent reason, <laughs> that's a Victorian. <laughs> Rebecca, how are we going to tell the Victorians lurking in our midst other than the hook oh, term? Look, I, wearing black, obviously. They'll all be dressed in black. Hey, hang on, you're wearing I black. Know. I used to live in Melbourne. <laughs> Any surprises there? Uh, if they are stashing a home brewing kit anywhere, uh, pretty much, get, reckon they're a Victorian. Is that a Victorian thing? Yeah, yeah, the whole, whole hipster thing. If they wear mm. plaid shirts yeah, and have big beards and stuff. Um, if so they, Newtown is basically a colony of, <laughs> Melbourne, of Victoria, exactly isn't it? Exactly right, exactly right. If they, um, if they deconstruct everything. So yep. rather than like getting in the car, they just grab a few wheels and an axle and put them all together because you can never get anything made in Melbourne. It all has to come on a board uh, in beakers oh, right, and yeah. things. You know, like their meals, everything's deconstructed. So they have the, the flat board with the yeah, olives with rolling. Board or, yeah, with okay. your, with your roll that you're making yourself essentially. Yeah. Um, but they will have an understanding, if anybody has an understanding of the nightlife 
or asks about nightlife or understands what the arts actually is. I reckon they're probably from Melbourne. <laughs> pretty, yeah. Yeah, pretty fair. Take on that. Uh, and if they're the people standing, um, eventually went out of quarantine, but if they're the people standing and <laughs> pointing and laughing at our trams, I reckon they're Victorian. They're Victorian. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll give you, I think we, Thank yeah. you. I was nervous I would get crickets. There are a few compliments on the way through there for our Victorian friends. Tommy Dean, how do we recognise the Victorians in our midst? Look, the most uh, the most telling statement you'll hear, and they can't help themselves, you'll hear it, uh, they'll cry out, $5 for a coffee! <laughs> <laughs> That's the most telling signal right there. Uh, she was absolutely right. Rebecca's absolutely right. If you, anybody pretty much out after 1 a.m., <laughs> Melbourne. Because <laughs> all the city sides are safely in bed under, we know. Poli- under police law- orders. <laughs> we know it's gone, but Melbourne, they're still like, I'm sure there's a bar around here. Yeah. Sydney, Sydney used to be open, didn't it? Actually, we could check out the laneways. They're probably lurking in laneways yeah, expecting yeah. to get a Chardonnay. Oh, Richard. I like that. Right. <laughs> Just excuse the slight delay. It's, it is radio. <laughs> Seven second delay on the audience. <laughs> we don't want them to laugh at anything too rude, no, no, right? Exactly, okay. exactly. Uh, the penny farthing, we'll give them away. Uh-huh. Uh, they ride around on the penny farthing. Mulga Bill. That's the last thought I've been. Sorry. Mulga Bill's bicycle. Sorry. Go, go again. Sorry. I don't know the reference. The old. Mm. Older Crickets. Than yeah. Crickets, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. It's Rebecca. a poem by Banjo <laughs> Patterson, right? Oh, is it? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. No, that mm. sounds great. Mm. <laughs> last, <laughs> last studied in Australian schools in 1927. Well, we should, bring it, <laughs> we should bring it back. We should bring it back. And also, uh, the last thing I think that will uh, give them away is um, the fact that they will they will actually cross at the corner. Mm. They're, they're quite they're quite uh, well behaved, don't they? Very well behaved. Yeah. So if they're if, like the you know just seconds before the little green man lights up, a bunch of people take off. Uh, Sydney yeah. nab the ones that are waiting. There's your advice for Mick Fuller if you're listening, Commissioner. That's how you pick them. Uh, now, panic buying is once more stripping the shelves of toilet paper, forcing supermarkets, even in Sydney, to reimpose, uh, I think it's two packs per customer limit. If you were to build a hoarder's store of all the things necessary for a good life, ready for the next pandemic, what would you include in your hoarder's store? Tommy, I suppose I'm thinking of those prepper programs that you see mm. on a, uh, on television where these Americans have filled whole sheds or whole underground bunkers. Doomsday preppers. Doomsday preppers with it. all the stuff they need. What would be in your bunker? Uh, uh, chickpeas. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of preppers in America make the mistake of going for the baked bean. Yeah. Uh, too much sauce, no versatility. Yeah. <laughs> are, you wor- are you worried that you might survive the first pandemic but lead to another? No, that would be no, desperate. Ventilation is key. It's going to say. To doomsday prepping. Don't invite me to your bunker, that's for sure. <laughs> is the bunker concrete reinforced? Yeah. But chickpeas. I don't know why we're buying so much toilet paper. Chickpeas. It's the most versatile legume in a can. Mm. You get your protein? What? 
Yeah. Well, not just from a nutritional point of view. Right. From a variety point of view. <laughs> they are good on their own. Uh-huh. You can roast them and they're a crunchy snack. Yes. You can use the abfalter, the cool mm. water around the beans. The what? The ab what? I think it's called abfalter. Does the water the beans come in? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Abfalter. Right. What can you, because uh, I just pour that down the sink, what can you Most use people it? used to, but then a guy discovered it, gave it a weird name. Uh-huh. It turns out it has the same protein qualities almost as egg white. So you really? can make oh, meringue. Right. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. Okay. You, you can make meringue. make meringue out of it. It has a slight chickpea taste, mm. but by now you're so used to it. Yeah, because that's you all you've been it. eating. <laughs> so <laughs> post-pandemic uh, doomsday, we could make pavlova. You got pavlova, oh. uh, which you would decorate with a variety of soft and crunchy <laughs> <laughs> chickpeas. You, you can make a fully sick hummus. Yeah. Uh, fully sick hummus. Seriously. Yeah. You would totally hummus it up. <laughs> And uh, and what and baba ganoush? Baba, hang on, that's no wait, that's 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 eggplant. eggplant. That's eggplant. And sesame seeds because we need tahini. Yeah, sesame seeds. (laughs) So you got two ingredients in your bunker. And also because lots of people are allergic to sesame seeds, you don't want weakness in the new generation. That weeds them out. <laughs> Throw some nuts in. Yeah. It's basically a eugenics program in the pantry. The cans can be then eventually reset to become, uh, you can build furniture out Gym of them. Gym equipment. Gym equipment. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah. It was a couple, before you yeah. take them out of the can, you've got barbells. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then you have Ga- a, a nice chair. Games. Eventually you can build a game. You can yeah. build an airplane. Yep. An airplane out of used... You're going to need some rubber bands. Yeah. By the way, it's not just chickpeas. Communication, telephone. I forgot to mention rubber bands. Rubber bands, I don't know why anybody does not have like bags and bags of rubber bands in their house. Can that please Completely. be the name of because your we're... cookbook called Rubber Bands, rubber bands, and, bands and Chickpeas? And chickpeas. <laughs> I want to say recipes. <laughs> Rebecca, what is in your hoarder's store in your bunker for the uh, next pandemic? First up, it'd be dark chocolate with sea salt. Mm-hmm. I just have fallen in love with it in isolation. This time. I just mm-hmm. can't get an oh my goodness. You know what's a, a perfect pairing? Sensation. <laughs> some peas of yeah. some kind. What's your percentage? <laughs> or anything from 70 up. 70 up. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, pretty sophisticated. It's pretty, yeah, oh yeah. No, just, you wait for it to be on special. It's a really <laughs> exciting thing to do. Dijon mustard. Again, suddenly, suddenly, why? What are you serving that? With what, the, what, are you serving, what are you serving that with? Nothing like breakfast and having an English Don't. muffin with some ham and some some Dijon mustard and some toasted cheese on Take the top. Take some, this is serious, chickpeas. <laughs> what else can you make? A little bit of vinegar, a mm-hmm. little bit of sugar, a mm-hmm. little bit of Dijon mustard. Warm mm-hmm. that for 20 seconds or so in the microwave, then let it marinate for 20 minutes. Right. Boom, infused chickpeas. Oh, wow. She hasn't got, why, why do you think she's got an electricity supply? Why do you think the, why do you think the microwave is still Actually, working? Actually, it's so weird. I had fourth on my list. <laughs> Exactly that. <laughs> but I'd also like um, a private chef. I think I'd want a private chef yeah. for lockdown this time around. I got so sick of cooking for one. It's really, it's not yep. that mm. exciting. Um, and uh, to make sure that all of my subscriptions to my alcohol delivery services are uh, still up to date. And notice, <laughs> notice how I said services. Also, <laughs> if, anyone's walk, if anyone's walking through central, central Sydney and they, and they see a, a, a voice, I hear a voice coming from under the ground saying, help, help. It's just Rebecca's I've run out chef. of vino. I've just run out of vino. It's essential services. That's what it is. What's exactly. in your hoarder's uh, store? Oh, I'm really uh, in uh, agreement with Tommy here. Um, people are getting this uh, panic buying wrong, buying the wrong types of food. Right? People are once again loading up on pasta, making your own bread items, flour, then stupid amounts of toilet paper. Do you see where the major problem lies here? Mm. And, and Tommy has picked it up, and I totally agree with you. If you don't see where the major problem is, let me spell it out for any Victorian who may be listening or may have snuck past the border. If you continue with this extreme carbo-loading diet, 
There'd be no need for the toilet paper because that'd be the least of your problems, as you mentioned, Richard. <laughs> My hoarder store would be boxes and boxes of prunes, <laughs> Metamucil, Pran, <laughs> and any other type of fibre you can think of. <laughs> if your hoarding cupboard looks like mine, then yes, by all means, you'll be requiring those 200 rolls of toilet paper. Right? Very, very simple. So they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. So absolutely correct there. <laughs> My, you, you, you need relief, Richard. <laughs> That's what people don't understand. You cannot just backlog, backlog the whole time and you, you, the toilet paper does not come into effect. There's no, you, no, no need for it. No need. I didn't think of the chickpea angle, which is many, many well, yeah, Well, you know what else? With good. the empty cans, you, know, you can use those. As, once you regulate at the proper level. <laughs> wow, this it's, goes well, no, really you generate, deep. You generate about two-thirds of I way. Say so the can becomes the can, literally. <laughs> so when you say I'm going to yeah. the can. Yeah. And then... There should be the correct amount. And then we you don't need the toilet paper because if you have one of those uh, good can openers that, you know, oh, leaves yeah. a crimped edge, yeah, yeah, you yeah. just use the, the lid. <laughs> <laughs> See, whereas here I was... like a bowl scraper, so to speak. Whereas I was just thinking you could make stilts out of the can. Well, you could do that too. <laughs> you yeah, could yeah, eventually you're, you're invent the... the internet with a bit of rubber bands connected to the with hands. each other. Exactly. <laughs> it vibrates better than string. It's like the, it's like the NBN. I was going to say, it's probably more efficient. <laughs> Tommy Dean, Rebecca Day Unamuno and Tahir are here. The Wheel of Death is coming up. But, uh, but first this, Scott Farquhar, the co-founder of Atlassian, this week remembered how he tussled with another <laughs> student as to who would be ducks of his Sydney primary school. His nemesis, he remembered with Wendy and Robbie, was Louise Moth who later called in to our radio show to confirm the story. (laughs) Uh, Who were the significant people for you when you were in primary school? And can you remember their names? I mean, Rebecca, part of what I loved about the story was, you know, he's called Scott Farquhar. She remembers. He's called Louise Moth. He remembers. It's amazing. I've always found this really interesting. So this question really was something I was really into, is that every time we recall a story from school, be it primary school or high school, we always reference first name and surname. Isn't it amazing? And I'm trying to think of what it is. And people seem to have more unusual names than they do in grown-up life somehow. That's right. But like, so you'll say, oh, it was David Simpson because that distinguishes him from the other five Davids in your your class or your year. You know, like... And why are they listening at that moment? Like, it's incredible. I know, it's amazing. And it's, and is it a way, because we defined people by their names so much because of that Mm -mm. fact, is that Mm. why we still say... First name yes, and yes. surname, always. I think it's fascinating. But anyway, in that... Let but me, who were the people let for Let me you? drop a yeah. few names yeah. for you. Um, uh, my kindergarten teacher, Mrs Picard. Oh, I loved her. I was really, I lived two doors down from the school. So at you could stand at a certain point just inside the gate of the school, call out to my mum and she'd come and stand on the back step and wave and stuff to me. Really? And I... So sport. You can tell in a character I today. Know, it's it's pressure. I, I just had this real separation anxiety going to school. I didn't want to go to school. And I was really upset in kindy. And Mrs. Picard, just, <laughs> she just said to my mum, I think she might be just a little bit overwhelmed in the playground. And I said, oh, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that story. I said, what, really? And mum said, yeah. And I said, maybe it's just because I was just judging everyone really harshly. <laughs> I was just standing around. So I remember her, my first crush. I remember him. I'm going to say his name. Isn't that funny? I'm going to say yeah, it. Yeah, if so you're listening, it. hi. Uh, Dean Woodbury. 
Oh, Dean my first Woodbury. Crush, Dean, Dean Woodbury. Woodbury. And his sister was in my brother's year and they're two years older. So there was like, yep. so we knew the, the sort of family connection. Why did you um, fall in love with Dean Woodbury? Why did I fall in love with Dean Woodbury? He was, he had a, he was, had a presence about him. There was something he always, his you name, noticed, you name. noticed. And Dean Woodbury, I mean, come on. <laughs> how can you go back? So what, he that? was, he was like eight, was he? <laughs> with, a, with a presence. <laughs> with a presence. You know how some people just draw you in? Like he was the one that, he was good at sport. He was yeah, good yeah. at everything you know, that kind of guy. But my first boyfriend uh, happened on the handball courts and I will never forget the people I played handball yep. with because we were guns. I've got to say, we were very competitive mm-hmm. and uh, you had to claim a square handball court. You couldn't just turn up and expect to play. You had to be standing in the middle of the squares with a ball to claim the court. So we okay. sat, We were in a school, school classroom that um, had a sliding door out to the handball courts. So oh, people right. would pass the tennis ball to the person who sat closest to the door, which was me, and pass it to me. And when the bell rang, I would <laughs> Just run for a handball court, and it was there that I was. Um, I was just. I was in the midst of a game, and someone came running up to me and said, "Greg Armstrong wants to know, will you go out with him?" Now, and you said, "I only have eyes for Dean Woodbury." I knew it was, wasn't going to work out with Dean at that point. I think he was in love with someone else. So I. Well, did he not, had too much presence. I, I did not hit. He a, I did not skip a beat. I kept playing the game, yeah. and I said, "Hang on a second, kept playing." <laughs> Got someone out, and Turner went. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so that that was us just. You dancing. see, I think you're the one with presents. <laughs> yes, to bribe people to be my friends and my partners. So yeah, so and um and it was funny because he and I ended up going to high school together, and we both became the boy and girl school captains of our high school oh. six years oh, later. Oh, this and we never much. spoke. We never spoke about this it that now, whole this time. This is now musical. Now what is it? <laughs> But, that, but let me just say, this was when I was in year six. Okay, so I have not had a relationship since. So come on, like, fair's fair. So he was the one, Rebecca. Right. He was the he one. Was the one. I mean, talk about how women Tommy. peak way before men, but that, I think you've really pushed it. <laughs> Tommy, who, uh, who were the people? Are they, do they still live on in your memory with their full names? Oh, absolutely. So I mean, I shouldn't say all of them. Some of them fade. Uh, we were more likely to remember them by class because we would shift classes. So it was David from Geography. Or John from Geometry. Yeah. Oh. Bill in Social Studies. So right. in primary school, you shift classes like... Yeah. Okay, because we, well, we, do we don't always, do that. We don't do that. But yeah. in the school that I was oh, in, okay. yeah, right. we shifted. Um, <clears throat> versus home class. So home home yeah, room right. was where your primary relationships were. <laughs> <laughs> and then you had your satellite relationships. Relationship. But those floozies you'd meet in Social Studies. <laughs> <laughs> never see again. Do you have a girl in every classroom, the did next you? Day. Sorry. In Australia, the naughty... Children so shift. I remember my my first crush. I remember her last name. Her first name was Heather, and uh, we were on safety patrol. Now imagine this. This is what a this is grade so, five. Yeah. And you know, on safety patrol, we were at the very we were the lollipop ladies at the crosswalks. Oh wow! So really? There was one of each of us on either side of the street, and we had this big pole with an orange flag. And at prescribed times, we would both. You know, stand out and create a orange flagged crossing zone. And this was entrusted to grade five kids. Wow. To stop traffic. With their bodies. If, if you had presence, you could stop them. And there were five traffic. spots, and all the spots, each spot could see the spot before it. You could see down. And the, per- and the, the main, the, the head job was to open the doors. Parents would drop their kids off, and as they would pull up, you would step forward and open the door, and the kids would get out of their how car. How do you get that job? Oh, you had to be a good student. Ah, right. You couldn't yeah. just get, get that head yeah, job. I'll tell you, you how you lost it. 
not getting all the kids to school. (laughs) (laughs) What incident? And they were very harsh about that. (laughs) But Heather was on hallway patrol, Uh which was the internal version of of, oh, the, of the safety patrol. Which is slightly like highway patrol. Like yeah, quite well, like I had that. an orange sash because we had to be highly visible, but they had a blue sash. Mm, and oh. then, and, oh, she was... And was it, a bit west, was it a bit West Side Story that the blue sashes mm. and the orange sashes... Well, the, the sashes joke was never... always, you know, I'd always come back. Cause we, 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 the school would start at whatever time, I believe, at 8.15, but we would be working right up until 8.15, so we were allowed to be like five minutes late because we had to walk back from our post. But the hall monitors were, were to give... Pay you know, write tickets basically yeah, yeah. to tardy kids, <laughs> and then she would always say, "I'm going to write you a ticket, Tommy." And I would go, "I got this sash, Heather." <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's like the Algonquin it. Club, isn't it? <laughs> I love it. So exciting! But then my best friend to this day, uh, Paul Lobianco, uh, we met in when I moved to Arizona in grade six, uh, thus dashing my career in safety, <laughs> <laughs> throwing it away. I got on the bus, and the first day. New school, got on the bus, and then some kid just said, hey, you're new, sit here. Yeah, Isn't that and I, great? And I sat down yeah. next to him, and we've been friends ever since. Ever since. See, that's, that's a spe- that takes a special kid to say that to somebody who's new. I think that, yeah. yeah he, oh, big fan now, big fan. He's our hero now. Tell yeah. here. Who, who do you remember? Uh, I have a very similar story to Scott. Um, Farquhar. Yeah. Do you <laughs> run Atlassian? <laughs> have, are you very worth, similar. Are very you worth similar. 11 billion? Not quite, but... The Ducks of the Year when I was in year six was a girl named Karen Wong. I think she might have received perfect grades. I don't know if sure she's listening. If she does, she's ringing through. Uh, 100%. <laughs> and I was about 40% short of that mark. Uh, so <laughs> that's the only small difference between Scott's story and mine. And also the minor fact that he's a billionaire. Um, but again, that's only, well, you're, only, you're only like 60% behind that, aren't you? Well, no, 40%. Anyway, I don't want to do maths now. <laughs> My best friends, let me give you some don't, names. Don't try to make him do the maths, <laughs> Tommy. I'm an English drama teacher, Tom. Uh, well, former. My best friends in primary school were Robert Brennan, Darren Sadden, and Tony Cabassi. Oh, now, that's a group of names. That's if you a film name. the next underbelly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, Tony Cabassi runs a strip joint. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. He was on Unsolved Mysteries. Having been contacted by the ABC legal department, I'd like to say Tony Gabassi has certainly not run a strip club. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, Tom. Uh, I remember, sorry, uh, sorry, he's a silent investor. <laughs> I went to Beverly Hills 2209 North Primary School and I remember the name of our principal, Mr Halpin. I recall him because in year six, I was the paddle tennis champion, both in singles and doubles, mind you. And then with the whole school watching, after I defeated everybody else and won the title... I played against the principal, oh. yeah, who handed me my first and only defeat. So uh, mm. that was, um, yeah, there's some of the names I remember. So you it's, wouldn't do that today, would you? If you were the principal and you were against you'd let the kid win, wouldn't you? You wouldn't. That, that's, that's real old-fashioned <laughs> parenting and teaching. You defeat the child. You show the child that's what right. scum he is. Well, the whole right. school watching too, Richard. It was just disgusting. Oh, no. That's like, I can just imagine that with an 80s like theme, like an 80s song yeah. soundtrack, like a montage of that battle <laughs> tennis game. I'm serious. The whole school came out with the chairs and sat around the court. I bet they were they and cheering that, and chanting. It was, was, there a, was there a high five in the air that paused at the end of the match? Well, That's what I wanted to know. He did have most of the support on his side. It was 60-40 <laughs> again. Those figures come up again. But just so we're, just so Tahir, Tahir has told me this story before and he's being humble. 
But the scene from Top Gun, the yeah. volleyball competition, yeah, yeah. was modeled after this game right here. <laughs> so that makes That's how I saw it. Oh, thank Shirts God it's Friday. <laughs> In a world of uncertainty. Oh, thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Thank God it's we have Tommy Dean, Rebecca, and uh, Rebecca de Unamuno and Tahir with us for Thank God It's Friday. Uh, coming up, lots of things to talk about, but the Wheel of Death still beckons. Mm. Our live audience is not here to throw the topics on the chocolate wheel, so we invited our drive listeners to do so. And uh, about half an hour ago, they threw these topics via the text, and the topics are lentils. Yes. Covered it. Paint brushes. <laughs> com- it. Compost. Covered gum it. trees. Black holes. Sourdough. Covered. Potluck dinner. Oh, that's cool. Teeth, snails, blisters, Victorians. Covered it. Haircuts, yoga, lighthouse keeping, and we're back to lentils. Anyone feel you're full of fear? Lighthouse keeping. Yeah. Well, who knows? (laughs) What will come up? Give us another one. Round and round and round it goes. Where it stops, no one knows. The topic for Tommy Dean is paint brushes. Is there nothing they can't do? (laughs) I mean, it's so specific. It is. I mean, you call it a paintbrush, suggesting you can't do anything else with it. It's just be called a brush. You can you could use it to apply a variety of liquid ideas to various surfaces. Not just paint. It doesn't brush paint. It's more of a it's more of an application hairy stick. <laughs> That's what it should be called. What else are you going to use your paintbrush for if not paint? Well, I'll tell you what I use it for. Noticing one of the other topics there on the board, I use my paintbrush to gently whisk the rice flour off the top of my sourdough boule. <laughs> <laughs> because those of you that have been so, what was that word again? Boule. I think I just spotted a Victorian. <laughs> and the sourdough boule, uh, once it comes out of its Benetton. Uh, is ringed in a variety of excess rice flour that you had to use to keep it from sticking to the Benetton. And uh, therefore, I get out my application hairy brush. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know what the best part about it? The best part about it is because sourdough is an ancient baking technique. Uh, I'm using spelt flour, which is an ancient grain. Mm. And then I have a sable brush that I very, very... With sable? Mo- oh, Yeah. Disabled. I, sable. I think it's uh, it's made from a horse's tail. Are you killing minks? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not. I mean, there's an argument that commercially, because I support the industry, but I'm not directly killing. Them. And, but I'm not saying I would. <laughs> Their hair is very handy to have around the house. <laughs> well, you can paint with them and keep you warm. The mink is, and and I also hear they make a nice stew. With with your hairy. Well, the the mink itself. I mean, the carcass. right. I mean, afterwards. Make a stock, at least. I mean, maybe not directly eat the meat, but you would certainly boil out the nutrients. With the application hairy stick. The application hairy stick. But the ancient grain, uh, the ancient baking technique, and then it's like being an archaeologist as you so very lightly, with the lightest of strokes, Brush the flour off because you want to keep some of it because that's how you maintain the circular pattern, mm. the hieroglyphics of sourdough, if you mm-hmm. will, which speaks to the people. Mm-hmm. And then I get out my lam. You what? My lam. Otherwise known as? Lame. Thank you. Lam, <laughs> you know, is French for blade. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> he really is a Victorian. Yes. So I get my lam out. And sometimes the question is, do you use the curved lam or the straight lam? I ask that at least twice a day. Twice a day. Uh, and then I uh, make my uh, divisive, 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 
decisive. I make decisive. Yeah, yeah. Yet shallow flashes in a perfect pattern. And then once again, brush the flour away with the mm. brush. Uh, then afterwards, uh, depending on the nature of the loaf that I brought out, I need to apply butter to soften the crust. If you would prefer a soft crust as opposed to a crunchy crust, uh, you have to apply the butter. Uh, so I get out uh, my this number before, two. This is before second cooking, is it? No, it's after. After, okay. No, you would, no, 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 you, know, you wouldn't put butter on beforehand. What are you, a cretin? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I use, I use my number four sable to carefully flick... <laughs> perfectly sized droplets of bottled water into the Dutch oven. Then I cover it with the lid quickly into a 225 degree oven. Uh, 240 maybe for others, but mine's a fan force, so I do it at 225. You have to make your adjustments, get to know your oven. Then, after the droplets have been presented, when it comes back out, then I get the number six table and then just paint stripes (laughs) of butter around the circular edges. And then my wife is like, oh, your brushwork is astounding. Yeah. Why don't you paint the bedroom? <laughs> and for which you need what? Well, paintbrush. <laughs> so I, I take her point. I mean, I see that, you know, because that's what she said. She's like, I bought you those brushes because I need you to paint. And then I repurpose them mm. because of a perspective shift, both in what I feel time should be spent doing and what life needs. <laughs> How many sables were killed in the uh, creation of this routine? Oh, I'd say. I mean, I mean, I mean, four, <laughs> but only two for the brushes. I just do a very concentrated stock. So the other two, I need. Does he die? Does he die? No. Does he live? Yes. Yes. He lives. On thank God, it's Friday with the wheel of death. We have Tommy Dean, Rebecca Day, Unamuno, and Tahir uh, with us. Has anybody died on the wheel of death at all? Oh yeah, I have. There's a corner. See that corner over there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I can. In fact, I know the day. <laughs> I know the band that was playing. So I know the, the moment. I know what the topic was. So what the was, audience, the, what was the topic? Said you the topic was tickets. Oh. Was it? That seems quite easy it compared, does. To, <laughs> compared to paintbrushes. <laughs> it does seem easy now. He's better at it now. Yeah, hindsight. But uh, yeah, I, I, I live with that. I go to sleep at night sometimes, Do you? freaking out. Just having that little ooh, that cringe yeah, moment. Just, I got, you know what the worst part was? Because it was with the band. It was the Morrisons. Oh, who you love? Yeah, I love the Morrisons. First time they played, and then because I was so. Uh, comfortable with them, I thought it would be cute to do like a musical background. So they would do like a little country music thing, mm-hmm. and then my story would like have the rhythm of a country music story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they started doing like a little cool train, and the train song it was like a very train driving country song, which should have been a clue. Yeah. Because trains, I don't know if you knew this, back in the old day, when but- country western music was working, when trains were invented, you know what you needed to get on them? Yeah, ticket. ticket. You thought that would have occurred to me. You thought that would have occurred to me. I want to know which way your brain went. It went like this. Uh, <laughs> uh. Have you ever failed, uh, Rebecca? Always. No, always. you've never failed. Always failed. I refuse uh, to believe it. Yes, never. Oh, never. Always. You should see so. some of the things I get up to. <laughs> Failure. You know why Rebecca never fails? And yep. is because her, her mother will quite often come to the corner of the studio and wave to her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hi, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Now, people were this week allowed back into the cinemas for the first time. It happened on Wednesday. What were the things that you have least missed about the cinema experience and what are the things you've most missed about the cinema experience? To hear. Has this ever happened to you? Uh, the cinema's relatively empty. You go in, you choose a nice seat, about the middle, like in the middle, centre sort of, of the theatre, and another person, human being, Richard, walked in and sat right next to me. 
Like with all these seats everywhere, again, this is just outrageous. Like if the cinema was packed, I would understand. At least leave a gap with a seat. I think it happens now. Uh, that's like being in an empty car park with with one car spot. And you go up and go, are you leaving? <laughs> <laughs> um, even when I watch Netflix at home with my wife, do we have to leave it? Leave a gap, leave a gap. Um, <laughs> so I've... I've least... I'm not interested. <laughs> I'm only joking about that. I know she's listening. Um, <laughs> I've least missed the talkers. Uh, Rebecca, you know what I'm talking about. This will oh, probably yeah. drive you. I hate the talkers. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, the ones that are oblivious to human beings around them, that they're the credits start and the person starts, oh, this is by Universal Pictures. Nicholas Cage is in it. Oh, James Cameron, the director. I didn't know it was a, based on a true story. Shut up. We can read. Right? <laughs> they talk, they go, the whole credit's yeah. like, of course, there's a lot of different things. I um, miss the buttery, smell of the buttery popcorn. And you just can't, you cannot replicate that smell at home. I think that's Tommy's bull. <laughs> bull, I'll show you the aromas of that. <laughs> so, yeah, look, I'm, I am glad they're back. I'm glad they're back. Glad you're back. What, what do you miss and what do you, what do you well, not miss? Tahi is exactly right. But, but they've changed the cinemas now. Um, when I did used to live in Melbourne, I was really shocked. It was in, in the early 2000s where you couldn't buy a ticket and just go and sit anywhere you wanted in a cinema. Mm. I remember having to sit in a specific seat number. Yeah, and G, that, G4 yeah. or whatever. Yeah, 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 and that really shocked me. And when I came back to Sydney, yeah. we were still sit wherever you want. Wherever. But now it's changed that we have to sit in that seat. And I, yeah, I've got a real issue that's, with that. Uh, that's the tie here clause. Uh, <laughs> he pushed that through after one, he <laughs> took a lot of lobbying. You know, change.org. You've got to sit there for a reason. Oh, yeah, that's your mm. seat number. G4 yeah. is the worst seat. It's in a corner somewhere. No, um, right, the worst is A2 because yeah, you've got yeah. a crick neck oh, and you're looking see, up at it. Yeah. And if you forget your glasses, it's a whole other yeah, yeah. experience. Like, yep. I just want to be able to sit where I want to sit. Um, I agree. Talkers, Tahir, yeah, they're the worst. Yep. And, and people that talk during the previews. Like, I actually want to watch the trailers for the movies that oh, are coming up. Oh, it's all right to talk during the... No, I've got no. a cut-off limit once the trailer's kicking. Uh, Notice how the sound gets louder? That's mm. a little bit of a, hey, everyone, <laughs> shush. What about the Australian <laughs> government warning, whatever it is that week? <laughs> well, see, I always used to say when I was a kid, I'd seen it it'd come up and it'd say, this film has yet to be classified. And I always go, they're so lazy. Why hasn't anyone done their job? Those classifieds, every trailer, yet to yeah. be classified. Yeah. Rebecca, I take when the curtains open. That's the, that's yeah. the moment. Why didn't I do that earlier? Well, well, no, the curtains yeah, open. See, that's interesting because the things that I love about the cinema is that whole, the lights, yeah, yeah. the curtains, the velvet curtains and all that kind of stuff. And then I realised I haven't been on stage since March. So I, think, <laughs> I think that's what I'm missing. <laughs> and, uh, but then we do perform at the, the Hayden Orpheum. Is we we do, do comedy mm. regularly there. Room. It's a great room, isn't it? Because you're literally standing in front of the curtain of the cinema performing. Yeah. It's great, isn't it? Do, do you go for the food? Do you go for the glass of wine, the popcorn, um, the Maltesers? Yeah, it used to be a little bit of a go and buy something cheaper across the road and get it into the okay, movies. Okay. It used to be that for me for a while. But, yeah, I do love a, I love a chock top and I love popcorn, but love not popcorn. too much popcorn. That's the thing I love the most about it and what I miss the most is it's one of the only places in the world that truly values popcorn at the value that it's meant to be. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> $47 yeah. a packet. Yeah, I mean, nothing makes me more annoying than being like in Colesworth and then they're like $3 for a whole bag. And you're like, are you, what, are you kidding me? What kind of cheap popcorn is this? I want the $12 stuff. But what about social distancing and popcorn? Like, you wouldn't, would you want to be, you wouldn't want to be sharing popcorn. Yeah, you like when you're watching the movie and everyone just sticks their hand into the bucket. Oh, that's like a petri dish. That's way out now, isn't it? Well, it's usually with your family. I mean, I mean, I'm guessing that's why the guy sat next to Tommy. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't afford the popcorn. (laughs) Start making mistakes. (laughs) 
But I disagree about the talkers, though. And this is, I don't, I mean, you don't see this in Australia, but this is very common in America. Uh, the stray talking, I can see being very annoying. Um, but when the whole audience is wrapped up in the movie, quite often, uh, especially uh, in like uh, rural, but the whole audience mm -hmm. is like yelling at the screen. Yeah, yeah. And they're like engaged out loud. Don't go in there. Oh, no. Yeah, what yeah. are you doing? <laughs> And uh, they're just like, people are losing their They do mind. that more in America than they do here. Way I, more. I remember seeing a, a, a movie in uh, New York or somewhere like that years ago, and the whole audience, uh, 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 was a very black audience, and they were screaming at the white police officer in the movie. Absolutely. Oh, it's just, really? it's, it, yeah. it is visceral mm. because yeah. it's all within the film. Mm. They're, you know, they're yelling out stuff to the characters, and they're mad about what's happening, and sometimes you get some plot explanation you didn't know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so you're like talking in yeah. context. So but like generally, I miss even if it's outside of all the over talking. Uh, in that sense, my greatest experience uh, realizing a communal sense of what movies are about is years ago uh, in Leichhardt. I went and saw Life Is Beautiful, mm -hmm. and it was in Italian, mm. so it was subtitles. Mm. And so I'm reading the subtitles, but mm. the Italian words are happening slightly faster than the subtitles. Yeah, so the yeah. mostly Italian audience is laughing or sobbing or reacting yeah. a half beat ahead <laughs> yeah. of me. Yeah. And it was neat to have this like little hint. <laughs> <laughs> a frisson of what was yeah. to come. Yeah, yeah, exciting. Spoiler alert. Yeah. But it was just neat to hear them in the natural rhythm yeah. of yeah. me trying to keep up yeah. with the subtitle. Um, so a one second spoiler alert yeah, on the second. whole film. Yeah. And if I thought it also helped because sometimes I wasn't quite sure because of the nature of the movie. Yeah. Uh, oh, that was kind of dark. Oh, no, apparently that was quite hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> At least I know. Who were the winners and losers of this week? Rebecca. Uh, my winners for this week are If You're Like Me, you're going home tonight to finally get to see the live stage version, original Broadway production of Hamilton. I'm so excited. I've got a bottle of wine and I'm... I, okay, I, but oh. is it actually going to be on? See, I'm a bit confused about whether the times they're giving are American times or Australian it's times. It's 5pm. It drops at 5pm Australian time from what I am aware. So but I'm okay. hoping by the time I get home mm. I will have uh, some Lin-Manuel Miranda chilled, to rewatch. Chilled Dark chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> Dark chocolate yep. with sea salt. Chilled, chilled uh, Chardonnay or something? Oh, but I'm a bit of a rosé fan. Yeah. Like a bit of a, I, bit I of do a think it's amusing the way in cinemas they only serve those very small glasses of wine mm. except for the Valhalla where they have the European <laughs> films. Yeah. And in the, the Valhalla, you can get these giant buckets seemingly in defiance of the liquor laws. <laughs> yeah, and right. I think someone's applied to the liquor board for an exemption <laughs> and they've said some of these films are Finnish. And the person has said, I'll go on then, give them a drink. <laughs> <laughs> and my, my, loser for the, my loser for the week is... Um, He's honestly I've got to give one to Donald, Donald Trump, uh, describing why he doesn't wear a mask. And he was uh, said on Fox News that he does. He did put one on the other day, mm -hmm. and he thought he looked quite good. He thought he looked very good. I looked very good. <laughs> he said, "I looked. Um, I looked okay. I looked like the Lone Ranger." He said, and I thought, "Wow, the Lone Ranger wore his mask over his eyes." <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just deducing that he doesn't know how to wear a mask. To hear who are your winners and losers of this uh, week? My Losers, uh, anyone refusing a COVID test, uh, you know, I mean, look, maybe the word test scares them. It's not multiple choice. It's not pass or fail. It's simple. No, it is pass or fail. Well, sorry, it is pass or fail. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. And a big point. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. 
Chief screen. epidemiologist are here. Is here. <laughs> in fact, right. it should be a multiple choice <laughs> test. It's a conscious vote. Yeah, the COVID COVID should be a multiple choice. What degree of COVID do you feel you have? If you see all of the above, you got it. That's it. Um, but 10,000 10, people in Victoria, in Melbourne, in the hot so- in the hot, uh, spot, hot spot. Yep. the suburbs have, have refused a test. Many of whom the chief health officer said today because they think it's a conspiracy or the thing doesn't exist. Well, look, getting this long strip shoved down the back of your throat, which is going to sort of, it feels like it's piercing your brain, and then it gets shoved up your nose, tickles, eyes water. Is that a reason to refuse? I think not. <laughs> I don't not. know you, you, I don't I mean, you're selling it. Think where else they could have shoved it. There are a thousand <laughs> ways to do this. And have we got a winner? Uh, my winner is um, comedy is coming back. So the comedy started at the drive-in cinemas, which is uh, which is really cool. What? And clubs are open. Yeah, it's clubs are starting to open. So please support and, and uh, go out and support. When you sit in your own car? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. you sit in the car and, uh, yeah, you get on stage. And you right, put well, the little speaker mine. in the window and, yeah. <laughs> Drive off with it, still connected. Uh, when well, the loser losers, is yeah. clearly the producer of Drive-In Comedy. Book me. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? I didn't even know it was a thing, and now I'm not getting booked. It just started. <laughs> I'll bring sourdough. <laughs> and your agent, yeah. the application And the winner, my, my application to Harry Stick. <laughs> now that I think about it, uh, Queensland is my big winner okay. uh, because they've hubbed so many AFL teams there. Yeah. They have stolen mm. Victoria's sport, yeah. and that is exactly why so many hotspot Victorians need to get out. Mm. We stole their we stole their life. There, the whole the whole <laughs> AFL has moved. Who knew, who moved thought that Queensland. would happen? Uh, and uh, just a final for Tahir from Jim: the reason the principal had to beat you in the game was he risked losing all authority. I take it that Jim is a former school principal. He must be. I'm surprised he even decided to play. Says Jim. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> That's why you had to win? It was the end of my tennis career, anyway. It would have been the end of his principality <laughs> if uh, he didn't let you win. Uh, we're out of time, but thank you for being part of Thank God It's Friday. Next week, Tommy and Rebecca will be back. They'll be joined by Gene Kitson. For the music, we'll revisit the, uh, the wonderful Flats and Sharps from Cornwall. Until then, I'm Richard Glover. And thank God it's Friday. <laughs> Thank God it's... Oh.